DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk football right now with Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. DJ, PK, it's LK, wishing all of you and your listeners a happy holidays. What's going on, guys? Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and the story this morning that is spinning some people, people's brains here, Urban Meyer, out after 13 games, didn't even make wow. one year. Now, there right. were plenty of people who didn't think it would work, but if you're trying to figure out when it won't work and they'll give up, 13 games, you better have taken the under. And I don't think many people would have taken the under on one year. But nonetheless, he's gone at 13 games. What do you make of it? A little surprised. I mean, after all the hype that went into bringing Urban Meyer out of what people, what he said it was retirement, um, back into the, the game on an NFL level, having the first pick of the draft and everything else, a little surprised that they made it. But, you know, look, from the start, it seemed to be somewhat disastrous. It wasn't like Trevor Lawrence was, you know, they were making games. They, they were having trouble winning games. Of course, the off-the-field controversies didn't help. But, you know, from what I've heard is that the, the, the locker room just didn't believe in him. A lot of guys on that, on that team didn't want, didn't want to deal with him. Uh, and then, of course, the last little story that came out about the kicker being kicked and getting into a little bit of a verbal tiff with, uh, with Urban Meyer didn't help. So um, I'm, I'm surprised the Jacksonville Jaguars did what they did, but they've been, uh, they've been a franchise that's been a little bit of a, a, a rough spot, if you will, for quite some time right now. You talk about how the locker room turned on him. You was a, you were a star in college. You played in the NFL, uh, so you understand the difference between college coaching and pro coaching. Uh, what do you need to do if you're a college coach to to get that credibility in the pro locker room? Because it seemed like right from the start there was all sorts of questions. You have to win. That's what it comes down to. Pros will follow you. Guys will follow you if you win, if it translates into wins. I remember I was uh, doing the radio show with uh, Fox Sports Radio and Anthony Argano when uh, Chip Kelly was in Philadelphia. And I said from the very start, there was something about Chip that kind of rubbed me the wrong way uh, as a professional. You know, when he came in and he wanted to take over everything and do things like by science, I wanted to, he wanted to monitor how the guy slept, you know, what the, the food and everything else they were doing. I said, look, if you're on takeaway Taco Tuesday, <laughs> then you better translate that into some wins. And it just didn't happen. You want to, you want to have me run this fast-paced offense, sideline to sideline, where we're running 80 to 90 plays a game, we got to win. If not, I'm not going to believe in you because I'm a professional and I don't have to deal with a lot of the things that you've dealt with on the college level. College coaches have total control over their programs. They can bring in who they want. They can train who they want. They can make the decisions who they want as far as players on, 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 the, uh, on the field. You don't really have that same luxury when you're professional because if your quarterback's making $25 million, you can't really justify him sitting on the bench. And I know that's a low bid uh, these days what quarterback, quarterbacks are making, but you, you got to get my point. So it, it's got to translate into wins. And for Urban Meyer, didn't work. Chip Kelly didn't work. And that's why those guys have some early exits. So we can go through a whole list of, hey, this college coach made the jump, but these two didn't make the jump. But as the college game changes with the uh, transfer and with the NIL, 
I've been told by a former college player, there are people who are going to retire in the next few years because college coaches have had the hammer, and they're not going to have it, and they're going to realize it, and people who are maybe, you know, 10 years from getting out will be getting out in three or four because they're not going to like it. Will it make it easier for a college coach to make the jump to the pros, though? Will they have to manage the team in a similar way? No. Well, I, I never really thought about it like that. I, I guess they will. Right now with the transfer portal, you have, in, in my mind, free agency. It's amateur-level free agency. You have super seniors. You have guys that have been in college for six, seven, even sometimes eight years, um, depending on the situation. And 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 they're all looking for uh, the, the best opportunities to stay on the field, to showcase their talent, to possibly move on to the next level. I, it's not about a degree anymore. It's really college football or college sports, not just football. College sports is changing. Um, and, and I don't know if that's necessarily in a good way. You're going to have places that are going to go to the highest bidder. Um, I do believe that athletes should be rewarded for their, their likeness and especially what they bring to the game. But at the same point, with this transfer portal the way it is, it's going to make it even harder because free agency is going to run rampant. That's, that's what, to me, the transfer portal is, free agency. Um, but as far as managing it, I don't know if that still translates to the pro game because – Yes, you got money at the pro level and everything else, but in most situations, a head coach has to answer to someone above him. When you're in college, you pretty much have control of it. You don't have a general manager. You have, of course, you have a college president or whatever, athletic director, uh, director, but you don't have a general manager that you have to answer to, an owner that you have to justify why this guy's not playing versus this guy. Um, it's a little bit more difficult, different, but you know, to your point, I think it might be something in the future to consider uh, whether college coaches can make the successful jump to NFL. I just think there are guys who are better suited for college than they are in the NFL. Yeah, I think that's undisputed that that's true. But at the same time, Lincoln, it still amazes me. You already brought up Kelly. Forget right. Kelly uh, in his current job. He was phenomenal, like 46-7 and seven or something at Oregon. Right. And then you've seen uh, Saban who was just phenomenal and has been phenomenal in college, it didn't work for him in the NFL. And the same thing with Meyer, who was phenomenal in college, and it doesn't... And we're not talking about, like, Cliffs Kingsbury was... He wasn't phenomenal in college. No, Um, no. And the Cardinals got it going on right now. We'll see what happens the rest of the year and into the future. So right now, today, it looks like a decent hire. But we had elite-level coaches, three elite-level coaches in the college ranks fail miserably in in the pro rank. I got to say, that is a surprise to me, to the level that they failed so miserably, almost like a complete opposite of what they had done, or in Saban's case, what he was going to do in the college ranks. Yeah, I mean, it is somewhat surprising uh, the guys that weren't able to make it work on the next level. But you know, I'm one of those. I'm one of those guys that believes, especially at the pro level, that a head coach in the National Football League has to be a good team manager. If he's one-sided, whether he's offense or defense, it doesn't always work out well because I've never liked the fact that a head coach will go while the defense is on the field. Offensive-minded head coach goes back and, and talks with his quarterback, sits down and looks at the, the, the little computer as they go over plays while the defense is out there, the defense coordinator takes over. I mean, I want you to be able to manage the entire team. I remember when Gruden first came to the Raiders, a lot of the defensive guys felt jaded because they felt they didn't care about the defense. 
You know, and, and so it's like, well, you know, why should we go out there and put the effort when all he cares about is offense? And, and I think that, that, that really deters a lot of teams or tight team chemistry, if you will. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to the pro game, it's really different. College, you, you know, Nick Saban has total control over Alabama. He, he recruits, he brings in who he wants, he can dismiss who he wants. No one's going to think twice about him. Why? Because he wins. Same things don't work on the professional level. You, if it doesn't translate into wins, it, like Bill Belichick has been able to do in New England, you're not going to give that coach total control of the car if it doesn't translate into wins. But Belichick has proven that he can do it his way, and it's worked for him. It's interesting you say that about coaches and paying attention to the whole game because I was thinking, man, I – NFL Films got some great sound from Parcells when he'd go back to the bench and just light somebody up. But he was missing the game when he was doing it. Although then I thought about it, I'm like, well, he lit a lot of guys up standing on the sideline. There's some pretty good sound with him going after Phil Sims. Right. So you've got a massive game in the AFC West, the Chiefs and the Chargers. The Chiefs are tied for the best record in the AFC, but the Chargers are only one game behind in the division race. It would be huge for them. And they have the Texans and the Raiders at the end of the year. They have got a great chance to win the division if they can beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs have won six in a row. You didn't believe in Kansas City earlier this year. They thought there was a Super Bowl hangover. Do you think they've escaped that and played their way out of it, or you really like the Chargers? Yes, they they have. Uh, You know, the fact that they were ever able to add, uh, add guys like Ingram have really helped out their defense. Their defense has played at a high level. Um, they still have some uh, back-end concern issues with uh, their coverage, but the fact is this offense is still potent. They, they've turned it around. Most teams don't do that. Most teams aren't able to add high-impact players that come in and contribute the way that, that, that they were able to. But you know what? The thing about the Chargers, the Chargers have consistently, over the past couple of years, played the Chiefs very well. They beat them early this year um, in Kansas City. Now they get them in SoFi. I think it's going to be a, a, a a, a highly competitive game uh, for the Chargers' sake. You know, understanding the Chargers has been one of the biggest quandaries that I've really ever come across. You know, in years past, they started off slow and finished strong. This year, it seems they started off strong and now they're finishing slow, kind of limping uh, along. But they're still in position. The cluster that's amongst the AFC teams allows the Chargers to still be in, in, in it. I don't think they sweep the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be a highly competitive game tonight. You had the Raiders right from the start. It stunk, and it got worse. Are, yep. they, are they done? <laughs> I hope so. No, no actually, no, I can't say I hope so. We've got four games left. Um, I would like something positive to talk about, but in my estimation, guys, I, I really believe that you, you really have to start all over. I mean, it, it's to see how, how flat they came out against Kansas City, when you talk about what you have on the line, and we're hearing stories that, you know, the quarterback's going around getting guys pumped up and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking to myself as a pro, like, I never need to be pumped up. It, it, you're, you're, you're making millions of dollars to play a game, and you need somebody to come and get you into it. More importantly, it's been somewhat disastrous, the fact that, you know, the, the inconsistencies on both sides of the ball have resonated throughout the year. Now, granted, the Raiders have been through a lot. Losing your head coach, losing one of your star players, so on and so forth. But at the same point, there's a level of professionalism that has to be uh, has to be you know the, the, taken in consideration, and I have not seen that. Four games left; they're still in it if they can win the four games. But after losing what five out of their last six games, 
I don't know if they can win four games. I don't even know if they can beat a truly depleted Cleveland team in Cleveland this week, uh, Saturday, because it, you know it's going to be nasty. The wind's going to be up. The you know, rain. This team can't run the football. So I'm not really sure what we're going to see. I would like to give something uh, nice to report about. I just don't know if it's going to happen. We have seen several teams uh, turn their fortunes around. I mean, the season just keeps getting longer. 17 17 games gives the teams that start hot a chance to fall apart, and the teams that start slowly a chance to bounce back. The Bills got off to a great start and looked like they were right there side-by-side with the Chiefs, uh, class of the AFC. The Ravens started fast and have fallen off, and they had injuries really from even before the season starting. They were losing running backs, it seemed like. So I'm wondering if you think any of these teams that have kind of slumped here can turn it around, or do you believe in any of the teams that are, are, are coming on late here? Well, look, it, when you talk about teams that have kind of woke up and, and made a name for themselves, you talk about the Chiefs, mm-hmm. talk about somebody even like the New England Patriots, yep. speaking of the AFC. Um, there have been a few that have come on strong. That's, you know, the added game. It's a very long season. And once guys get film on other guys and they're able to break it down, they can see what their strengths and weaknesses are before they have a chance to play them. Um, there's still a lot to be said about a team like Arizona, you know, in the position they are. Uh, but, of course, you saw them last week, this past week, playing against the Rams, how much the Rams stepped up to, to face that challenge. So now Arizona's not taking anybody by surprise. Well, it, interesting to see how they finish the rest of the season. I say that to say this. It's great that football is competitive, and there is no sure, for sure, uh, big names that are you know or, or elite, if you will. Everyone has a way of being brought down the level. We'll see again tonight the way the Chiefs play the Chargers, the way the Chargers play the you know it, it, uh, it chase in the possible division crown. So um, it, it really is fun to watch. I like competitive sports. Lincoln, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot, and we will talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Be well. Lincoln Kennedy, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. While Lincoln was talking football there, Yach was busy working. Yach, what's the schedule going forward? All right, we're adjusting a little bit. Joe Ingles, 8 o'clock. Hans Olsen at 9 o'clock. I like that movie, While Lincoln Was Talking Football. It's right there with <laughs> While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> while Lincoln Was Talking Mm-hmm. It's a good good title. Yeah. The heck of a sequel. I hope they make it. All right. 20 minutes till Joe right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.